Welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, I'm your host, Micah Hart. Thanks for tuning in today. There is so much going on in the world of politics right now. So without further ado, let's get into things. On Thursday, the House passed a bill that would ban transgender athletes from female sports at federally funded schools. According to CNN, the Senate is not expected to mention the bill, and the White House has already offered a veto threat if the Senate shockingly approved of the legislation. Politico reports that this legislation is like that of 20 different pieces of legislation across the states. A lot of this comes down to Title IX. The Biden administration has pushed for changes that would be more inclusive of the transgender community. Representative Lisa McLean of Michigan had this to say on the bill. Title IX was supposed to be the saving grace, but the radical left has thrown that to the wayside by allowing biological men to to play alongside women. Women. We have erased the meaning of equity and fairness, right? How many times do we hear equity and fairness, equity and fairness, but we only talk about that equity and fairness when it fits their narrative, not to mention what it means to be a woman, which is interesting to me since my friends on the other side of the aisle like to talk about a level playing field and the need for women's rights. I guess that doesn't matter anymore when partisan politics are at play. Now, a prime example of this whole transgender in sports thing is Leah Thomas, who, according to Fox News, competed in the men's swimming division for three seasons and then transitioned to become a woman, and then competed in the women's national championship and picked up a huge victory, winning the 500 yard freestyle. Now, this whole issue of transgenderism and sports is becoming a very big thing now, especially with the Biden administration really trying to change definitions of certain things in Title IX, which really is protective of women's sports, girls playing sports, and that's what it's supposed to do, and that's what the Republicans are setting out to do, is make sure that women have their equal rights. Women are protected both in the locker room and on the courts, in the field, wherever they are, in this swimming pool, whatever it may be. It's trying to protect girls and women who are competing and there are biological differences. So they're trying to really say it should be based on biology, the birth, the gender that someone is at birth. That's what it should be based on because there's different muscle masses, things like that, that need to come into play. And so the Republicans are just saying that and saying, we're trying to respect the rights of women, women who are born women, not somebody who is born a man and transitions to a woman. There needs to be fairness. And there are differences, they're saying, in in biology of what how people are when they're born. And that won't change even with a transition. So it's very interesting to see how this bill came about and then even the need for it that we have to discuss things like this now where our society has come to that something like this has to be discussed in protecting women's sports for only biological women and to me that is something that's very interesting that we've seen just really cr- recently rapidly changing i mean i remember i was in washington dc this summer writing a piece on title nine and just seeing all the changes that the Biden administration was working with and trying to push for, and I think that we're going to start seeing now is 
this gridlock happening where the Republicans in the House just really will push for something. And obviously Biden will be pushing right back on it because the Biden administration obviously wants other things that really strive to protect the LGBTQ community because that's been a big thing for his administration from the onset. He made that very clear. So right now, we'll have to see where this goes. I obviously, as I said, the Senate probably will not bring this up. So it's kind of not going to do much, but it's a big thing that the Republican Party is bringing forward legislation saying, but well, here's an alternative. Here's what we're suggesting for America. We're trying to, as they would say, probably save America, make America what it has been, just really keep some norms and aspects of America that we've had. And we're trying to protect women. We're trying to do this and do that. So I think we'll see right now specifically just a lot of gridlock it will a lot of it will come down to i think 2024 which is right down the line seeing well who takes the presidency is it going to be joe biden donald trump is it going to be nikki haley um or there's other candidates i'm going to talk about in another segment that i'll get to in just a minute but whoever it may be well what are they going to do and how is that going to work with who's leading in Congress? Are Democrats in control? Republicans in control? What happens at the Supreme Court level? Where are decisions going to come out on that? So it's a lot of things working in tandem where we're going to start seeing, well, that's going to play a role. And then state legislation, too, as I said. Those are huge. Working at the state level to change things is significant. But then you also have to know this is a sport. So you have to deal with the NCAA, things like that, and schools and all of that. It's not just, well, the government saying this. There's so many aspects to this that have to be worked out and figured out but i think at the end of the day what i'm personally seeing is republicans trying to just stand up and say you know what we're going to defend women in women's sports and that's what i'm seeing and i think that that is going to continue to be something that they push for throughout i think that will be a big thing in the 2024 election is well where do we stand on this issue this is a big issue of protecting women's sports. So with time, I think we'll start to see a general just push on this issue um, from both sides of the aisle. But I really think Republicans are going to hone in on this and be like, this is something because it, it comes down to families. It comes down to children. It comes down to a lot of that at that level where there's a lot of like trying to protect family rights, things like that now on the right. And I think that's going to play for them in 2024. We'll see, though, as things pan out. According to Politico, House Democrats are pressuring President Biden to meet with Speaker McCarthy to discuss the debt ceiling issue. A vote on the Republican proposal could come as early as next week, and some Democrats are growing concerned about a lack of conversations taking place between the two leaders. The concern really targets how the public will view a situation like this. Others aren't as concerned and are happy that Democrats are remaining unwavering in their own views. Democrats also really want Republicans to break apart debt from the spending issue. According to CNBC, McCarthy revealed a plan that would increase the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion. According to the Washington Post, it would be this or suspending the debt ceiling until March 31 of next year. This $1.5 trillion would be for over the course of the next year, and according to CNBC, two key components of the bill are taking back unspent funds that are tied to the pandemic and getting rid of the student loan forgiveness program that Biden has been pushing since getting into office. There's other things among this as well. And the Senate is democratically controlled, so it is unlikely that it would be approved there, 
The Problem Solvers Caucus in Congress, which is bipartisan, has also laid out their own plan for how to deal with the debt ceiling issue. Their bill, according to Politico, would increase the debt ceiling while not creating a significant amount of spending cuts. So this is a this is a really interesting story of seeing political gridlock, as I was talking about just earlier, of seeing how political gridlock plays out. I mean, we're seeing Biden and McCarthy. This is a huge issue, the debt ceiling issue. I don't matter what care what people say on this. It, it's significant. We need to have control of what's going on spending-wise and debt-wise. We are in a ton of debt in this country, and it's stressful. We're just passing this on from generation to generation now, and that's getting concerning for my generation, Gen Z. What's going to happen? And it should be concerning to all generations. What are we leaving to the future generations to deal with? And I think that compromise and need is needed in this situation. Look, Republicans control the House, Democrats the Senate. The White House is democratically controlled. There's going to need to be some sort of compromise to get anything done. That's the thing. Something needs to give. Somebody needs to ha start the conversation and say, we need to talk. Talking is so important in D.C. and doesn't happen enough, in my opinion. We need to have these conversations. And you can be unwavering certain things and say, we're going to stick up for this, but also be like, we can give a little on this. We, we're willing to work a little bit on this, but this part we're not giving up on. I think that's fine. You need to be principled. You need to stick to your views. You shouldn't have to cave in on certain things. There are certain issues the Republican Party or the Democrats aren't going to give up on. And you know what? Fine. But we should find where we can compromise and work for the American people because that is what they're there for at the end of the day. Every politician, they're trying to work for the betterment of all people, not just the people who voted for them, the people who gave them super amounts of money. It's the people of the United States. They are working on our behalf and they need to get things solved there. And that's all I care about, really, is can we solve this? But also do stay principled. That's a big thing, too, because I believe both sides need to stay unwavering. If they want something, stay unwavering. You know, I think there needs to be compromise, but we also need to be able to say, you know what, this is what we believe too, and we're not going to give in on this. And I actually really appreciate McCarthy bringing up specifically the COVID funds and the student loan program. He's like, you know what, you want to play? Let's play with that too. Let's go. Because that those programs, some of them, are concerning. Republicans should be concerned. Americans should be concerned. The COVID thing specifically, we just have funds now that are just there and they're not being used for COVID probably anymore. They're just being there, you know? So why don't we just give that back and start working on things like that to reduce debt, to work on finances and make sure that we're ha we know where all this money that we are giving out is being spent. We know what's being spent, how much is being spent, where it's being spent. And we do not continue to just rack up this debt that we are continuing to rack, rack up right now. But, you know, this is a big issue. And if both sides can't even discuss where are we going to go, because we know the House is Republican, Senate's Democrats, nothing's going to happen. There's going to need to be some discussions that take place to move forward. Now, I think the Problem Solvers Caucus is very interesting what they're presenting. I think there could be some merit to that. And just looking at that and saying, hmm, what's there that we could look at? Because it's bipartisan. There's people on both sides who've been involved in it. So what are they proposing? Rather than just be like, oh, this is only Republicans, this is only Democrats. You're going to have to work a little bit together, I think, to get anything done at any sort of level. But also, as I did say, and I want to emphasize again, is staying principled. I think that's something we've confused is compromise and principles. You can be willing to compromise, but have your principles. 
I think that's very doable together. I think they can go hand in hand is you can say, yeah, I'm unwavering on this, but let's talk about this. Let's bring this up. Where can we compromise? Or maybe if I'm unwavering in this and you're unwavering the same thing, let's talk about it and see, well, what, is there something we can agree on in this issue? Because I think there is bound to be one where we can say, oh yeah, there's that little thing we can agree on. Let's work on that a little more. You know, I think there's always glimmers of possibility that we should be looking at and trying to embrace just a little bit and trying to work to get things done for the American people. A whistleblower has come forward in a case involving President Biden's son, Hunter Biden. According to Fox News, the IRS whistleblower came forward and said the investigation was not being handled properly. Now, the whistleblower would like protections and is concerned about the interests that are in play in this investigation in connection to the president and his son. So the White House had a brief response to the whole debacle with the press secretary arguing that the president is being courteous in the whole situation. Look, I want to be very clear here. Uh, as you know, the president uh, respects the rule of law uh, and, and the, the independence of the Department of Justice. Uh, he believes that's what they should be. In this administration, we believe that it should be independent. Uh, so I'm not going to go beyond that. The Department of Justice will certainly deal with this issue. Again, he believes in the rule of law. He believes in the independence of the Justice Department. This is a this is a definitely a, another big story that we've been following with the Biden administration. There's a lot of them. This is a big one as well of his son. And how involved should Biden be? I think not at all. I think it should be, you know what? There's this is an investigation. We're going to do this. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the president's son, if it's just some random person. Everyone should be held to the same standards of law in this country. No interference with from anyone. It should just be an investigation. And that's what I think we need to see. I don't care about Biden being courteous of the whole situation, whatever. He needs to be out of this situation. He needs to be, just be there doing his job, which he needs to be doing more of and working across the country, going to places like East Palestine to actually see what's going on, doing that and letting this be investigated. That's what we need to do. So my biggest issue has been like, why are if this is the case, then why is he getting involved? Why? What's what's there? Let's keep digging into that then. Because he shouldn't be getting involved at all. There shouldn't be any connection. It should be an independent look into this and seeing what's going on with Hunter Biden. Where What is there? There's This whistleblower came forward. Let's take that and let's work with that and look at what this whistleblower has to say and listen and hear it out. Because there should be no politician who's able to have control and things like this at all. It should always be separate. I don't care what party you're from, who you support, whatever you support. That doesn't matter to me. At the end of the day, I just want accountability from our politicians, their families, everyone. We need an equal playing field for everyone. Nobody is above the law. I hope that people can start to realize that nobody, not even a politician, a president of the United States, a president of the United States' son, nobody is above the law. We are all held to the same law at the end of the day. That's what we need to remember. And I'm hoping we can remember that and we can obviously get to the bottom of this. This is a concerning investigation. We need to get to the bottom of this, figure out what's going on with Hunter Biden, figure out everything that there is there and make sure we also are looking into President Biden, making sure he's not involved in this whole situation of being like help or interest wise of um, during the investigation. We need to make sure we're completely authentic. Everything's just being done by the rules because that's what we should be doing and promoting. 
Two more candidates have announced a run for the presidency. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is ready to fight it out in the Democratic primary. Now, Kennedy is an anti-vaccine candidate and is the nephew of President John F. Kennedy. According to ABC, Kennedy has been concerned with vaccines since the 2000s and even started a nonprofit with one goal of pushing against vaccines. According to the nonprofit's website, which is called Children's Health Defense, it says, and I quote, Our mission is to end childhood health epidemics by working aggressively to eliminate harmful exposures, hold those responsible accountable, and establish safeguards to prevent future harm. We fight corruption, mass surveillance, and censorship that put profits before people, as well as advocate for world worldwide rights to health, freedom, and bodily autonomy. Kennedy is joined in this field, but on the opposing side, by Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a radio host running in the Republican primary, taking on President Trump and others. According to NBC News, Elder formerly ran to replace Governor Gavin Newsom during the recall election in California. Elder failed to secure a victory in that election, but he's hoping to make a comeback and become president of the United States. So this is an interesting shakeup. I, I didn't expect either of them to actually be running, and I'm not, I'm not surprised after thinking about it, but I was like, wow, okay, they're joining too. I'm really fascinated by Kennedy because of this reason. But Biden said he may be announcing as early as next week. We've heard that and there are information on that, that maybe next week, maybe when the um, president's announcing his decision to re run for re-election. So I'm really interested that this happened right now and that it's a Kennedy. That fascinates me too, just because of their his legacy in this country as a political dynasty, essentially, in my opinion, but also just because of the anti-vaccine position. I think that's a big thing that's going to show something in the Democratic primary. He's anti-vaccine. What does that say? What what are Democrats going to be like, oh, wow, anti-vaccine. Let's let's look at that. Or are they just going to brush him off right away? And I think Biden's going to have a lot to play in that. I think Biden obviously has the upper hand in this. He is the incumbent. He has all of that political um, power established already, and he's got that going for him. But I'm really interested to see how this primary plays out now that there, if Biden does announce, which I do expect him to, but let's just say he, he hasn't yet, but if he does and he goes off, what's this going to look like? How is this going to pan out? I think it's going to be a very interesting primary um, to watch and just see, well, how does campaigning work for both of them? Are Is, is Biden even going to target him? Is he going to be like, oh, you, I'm going to go after him? Or is he just going to let him do his thing and trust the process of that he will get the nomination because he's the incumbent? How is it all going to play out? Who else is going to run? We have Marianne Williamson also in this. So really, what's this whole Democratic primary going to look like? I think you see on the right now, Elder joining the ranks. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where he fits into this mold. There are several candidates running and um, supposed candidates to be announced. I mean, um, Tim Scott is now looking at running and has been very vocal about that and said like, yeah, I'm on an exploratory committee. We're, we're getting this ready. We're going to start this. So there's a lot of people running. And I think the Republican side, it's just going to really be, well, what is this going to do? Is this going to be like 2016 again, where there's like 16 to 20 candidates and the Republicans end up with Donald Trump. And a lot of that was that a lot of the people on that stage were pretty similar to each other, in my opinion, or had been established political people. And then you were like, President Trump, he's different. Trump was different. And so they picked him. Is that what's going to happen again? But now it's just Trump. Everyone knows because he's pres he was president. So what's going to happen there? 
And I'm not sure, honestly. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of good debates. I mean, Republicans are having their first date in, debate in Milwaukee, and the second one's going to be in California. So I think it's going to be interesting to see those debates and really how those affect the campaigns. I think I'm very interested to see people right now of the announced. I'm really interested to see a Trump v. Haley debate. I just think that's going to be really interesting because that's her former boss. Let's see how she takes him on or where she agrees with him, what that does, and how he takes her on as well, um, and how he takes on um, Vivek, how he takes on um, Scott, how he takes on um, everyone, really, and where we see all of this play out with a former president who's now had a gap time in office, now coming back in and being like, yeah, I'm running. Also, with the whole indictment issue, how that adds to this, takes away from this, what that adds to the whole situation as a whole. But as 2024 gears up, I will definitely be continuing my conversation on this. I'm hoping to just discuss somebody each week next year. Going into that a bit, a little bit, very short amount of segment onto that because I think that it's going to be important to hear about each of them and talk about where maybe their strong suits are and where their setbacks are. So I'm excited for that. But that's the show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, it's been a pleasure being able to just discuss politics with you. There's so much going on in our nation right now. And I am so happy that I am able to just break it down for you and discuss my thoughts on this, but also just give you the news on this. What's going on in D.C.? What's going on around our country? What is our prospect for the future looking like? I think that's huge. So thank you so much. You're listening to Heart on the Hill on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.